12. Abraham Abraham and his forefathers belonged to a very peculiar type of a mighty race. They led a pastoral life. They were not really natives of Ur and Chaldea, but they had removed there. They exercised special authority and jurisdiction. Here and there, they took possession of certain regions where good pasturage was found. They marked off the boundaries, erected an altar of stones, and the land thus enclosed became their property. Something happened to Abraham in his early childhood similar to that which occurred to the child Moses, by which his nurse saved his life. It had been prophesied to the ruler of the country that a wonderful child would be born, whose birth would be very fatal to his interests. The ruler took measures accordingly, on which account Abraham's mother concealed herself before his birth in the same cave in which Seth had been hidden by Eve. There Abraham was born, and there secretly reared by his nurse, Maraha. She passed for a poor slave who worked in the wilderness. Her hut was near this cave, which was named after her the she was. After her death, and in accordance with her own request, buried there by Abraham. Abraham was a remarkably large child, when, on account of his unusual size, he was of an age to pass for a child born before the prophecy alluded to, his parents took him home, but his precocious wisdom exposed him to danger, so the nurse fled with him and again concealed him a long time in the same cave. Many children of his age were massacred at that time. Abraham tenderly loved Maraha, his nurse, and after years, in all his peregrinations, he took her with him on a camel. She also dwelt with him at Sokoth. She died at the age of one hundred years. Abraham hewed out a tomb for her in the white stone which, like a hill, enclosed the cave in which he was born. The cave became a place of devotion, especially for mothers. Throughout the whole of this history, we discover a mysterious prefiguring of the early persecutions which Mary, with the child Jesus, had to endure. It was too in this same cave that they hid from Herod's soldiers when they sought the child. The father of Abraham received great graces from heaven and understood many mysteries. His race possessed the gift of discovering gold in the earth, and he fabricated out of it little idols similar to those that Rachel purloined from Laban. Dur is a place in the north of Chaldea. I perceived in many parts of this region, on mountains and plains, white flames arising, as if the ground were on fire. I know not whether this fire was spontaneous or kindled by man. Abraham was a great astronomer. He understood the properties of things and the influence of the stars upon birth. He saw all kinds of things in the stars, but he turned all to God. He followed God in all things and served him alone. He imparted his knowledge to others in Chaldea, but he traced all back to God. I saw that, in a vision, he received from God the order to depart from his own country. God showed him another land, and Abraham next morning, without asking any questions, led forth all his people and departed. I afterwards saw him pitching his tent in a region of Palestine, which seemed to me to lie around the place where Nazareth subsequently stood. 
Abraham himself erected here an oblong altar of stone with a tent over it. Once, when kneeling before the altar, a light descended from heaven upon him. An angel, a messenger from God, appeared, said something to him, and presented to him a shining, transparent gift. The angel spoke with Abraham, and the latter received the mysterious blessing, the holy thing from heaven. He opened his garment and laid it upon his breast. I was told that this was the sacrament of the Old Testament. Abraham, as yet, knew not what it contained. It was hidden from him, as from us is concealed the substance of the most holy sacrament. But it was given to him as a sacred thing, as a pledge of the promised posterity. The angel was exactly of the same kind as the one that announced to the Blessed Virgin the conception of the Messiah. He was also as gentle and tranquil as Gabriel in the execution of his commission, not so hasty and rapid as I see other angels under similar circumstances. I think Abraham always carried the mysterious gift about with him. The angel spoke to him of Melchizedek, who was to celebrate before him the sacrifice which, after the coming of the Messiah, would be accomplished, and which should be continued forever. Abraham then took from a casket five large bones which he laid upon the altar in the form of a cross. A light burned before it, and he offered sacrifice. The fire burned like a star, the center white and the rays red. I also saw Abraham with Sarah in Egypt. He went thither in obedience to a command from God, first on account of the famine, and secondly to take possession of a treasure which had been carried there by one of Sarah's relatives. The treasure consisted of triangular pieces of gold strung together to form a genealogical table of the children of Noah, and especially of Sem, down to Abraham's own time. It had been taken into Egypt by a daughter of Sarah's maternal aunt, who had gone thither with a pastoral tribe. Some of Job's lateral descendants, who afterward degenerated into a wild state, she had there hired herself as a servant. She had stolen that treasure, as later on Rachel did the gods of Laban. The genealogical table was made like the scales of a balance, hanging on cords. The latter consisted of small, triangular pieces strung together, and from them depended single collateral strings. On the gold pieces were figures and letters denoting Noah's and especially Sem's descendants. When the cords were let down, the various pieces all laid together in the dish. I heard, but I have forgotten, the number of shekels, so the sum is called, to which the whole amounted. This family register had fallen into the hands of Pharaoh and the priests. They made on it various reckonings connected with their own unending chronological calculations, but they never rightly understood it. When Pharaoh was visited by heavy afflictions, he consulted with his idolatrous priests and granted to Abraham all he demanded. Upon Abraham's return to Palestine, I saw Lot by him in a tent. Abraham was pointing all around with his hand. In his bearing there was something of the deportment of the three kings. He wore a long, white, woolen garment with sleeves, a plaited white girdle with tassels, and a sort of cowl hanging down the back. On his head was a small cap, and upon his breast a shield in the shape of a heart, made of metal or precious stones. His beard was long. I have no words to say how kind and generous Abraham was. If he had anything that pleased another, 
especially if it were cattle, he offered it to him at once, for he was a declared enemy to envy and covetousness. Lot's clothing was almost like that of Abraham, but he was not so tall, nor so noble-looking. He was indeed good, but at the same time a little covetous. I often saw the servants of the two disputing, and I saw Lot separating from Abraham. But as he went, I saw him enveloped in fog. Over Abraham I saw light. I saw him take down his tents and wander about. He built an altar of field stones and raised a tent over it. The people of that time were skillful in building out of rough stones, and the master with the servant put his hand to the work. The altar just mentioned was in the region of Hebron, the subsequent dwelling place of Zacharias, the father of the Baptist. The region to which Lot removed was very good, as was all this part of the country toward the Jordan. I saw the cities around Lot's dwelling place plundered, and Lot himself, with all his goods and chattels, carried off. I saw a fugitive bear the news to Abraham, who immediately invoked the aid of heaven. Then gathering his servants together, he surprised the enemy and freed his brother. The latter thanked him gratefully and was full of regret for having separated from him. The enemy and the warriors in general, especially the giants, were not clothed like Abraham's followers. Their garments were narrower and shorter. Their dress was in many pieces, covered with buttons, stars, and other ornaments. Giants were extraordinarily large people. They brutally and insolently carried off all they could lay their hands upon, but they were often obliged to yield their booty to others who plundered them in turn. 13. Melchizedek's, Melchizedek's Sacrifice of Bread and Wine I often saw Melchizedek with Abraham. He appeared to him in the same way as did the angels at different times. Once he commanded him a triple sacrifice of doves and other birds, and he prophesied concerning Sodom and Lot. He told him that he would come to him again to sacrifice bread and wine, and he indicated to him also for what he should pray to God. Abraham was full of reverence before Melchizedek, and he eagerly awaited the promised sacrifice. As a preparation for it, he built a very beautiful altar and surrounded it with an arbor. When about to come for the sacrifice of bread and wine, Melchizedek sent messengers to command Abraham to make his coming known and to announce him as the king of Salem. Abraham went out to meet him. He knelt before him and received his blessing. This took place in a valley southward from the fertile vale that lies toward Gaza. Melchizedek came from the region where Jerusalem afterward stood. He had with him a very nimble animal of a gray color. It had a short, broad neck, and was laden on both sides. On one was a vessel of wine, flat on the side that lay against the beast. On the other was a box containing rows of flat oval loaves. Likewise the chalice that I afterwards saw used at the Last Supper for the institution of the Blessed Sacrament. It had cups in the shape of little barrels. These vessels were neither of gold nor silver, but transparent, as of brownish precious stones. They did not appear to me to have been fabricated by man. They looked as if they had grown. The impression made by Melchizedek was similar to that produced by the Lord during his teaching life. He was very tall and slight, remarkably mild and earnest. He wore a long garment, so white and shining that it reminded me of the white raiment that surrounded the Lord at his transfiguration. Abraham's white garment was quite dingy compared with it. 
He wore also a girdle with letters similar to that worn later by the Jewish priests. And like them, his head was covered with a small Gothic mitre during the sacrifice. His hair was shining yellow like long glittering strands of silk, and his countenance was luminous. Upon Melchizedek's arrival, he found the king of Sodom already with Abraham in his tent, and around were numbers of people with animals, sacks, and chests. All were very grave and solemn, full of reverence for Melchizedek, whose presence inspired awe. He stepped to the altar, which was a kind of tabernacle, wherein he placed the chalice. There was also a recess in it, I think, for the sacrifice. Abraham had laid upon the altar the bones of Adam, which Noah had had in the ark. They now prayed before them that God would fulfill the promise made to Adam of a future Messiah. Melchizedek spread upon the altar first a red cover, which he had brought with him, and over that a white transparent one. The ceremony reminded me of the Holy Mass. I saw him elevate the bread and wine, offer, bless, and break. He reached to Abraham the chalice, used afterward at the Last Supper, in order that he might drink. All the rest of those present drank from the little vessels which were handed around by Abraham, and the most distinguished personages. The bread, too, was passed around in morsels, larger than those given at Holy Communion in the early times. I saw these morsels shining, that had only been blessed, not consecrated. The angels cannot consecrate. All that partook of the food were filled with new life and drawn nearer to God. Melchizedek gave bread and wine to Abraham, the former more luminous than that received by the others. Abraham derived from it great strength and such energy of faith that later on at the command of God he did not hesitate to sacrifice his child of promise. He prophesied in these words, This is not what Moses upon Sinai gives the Levites. I know not whether Abraham also offered the sacrifice of bread and wine, but I do know that the chalice from which he drank was the same used by Jesus at the institution of the Most Holy Sacrament. When Melchizedek at the sacrifice of bread and wine blessed Abraham, he at the same time ordained him a priest. He spoke over him the words, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand. Thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord hath sworn, and he will not repent. He laid his hands upon Abraham, and Abraham gave him tithes. I understood the deep signification of Abraham's giving tithes after his ordination, but the reason of its importance I no longer recollect. I saw also that David, when composing this psalm, had a vision of Abraham's ordination by Melchizedek, and that he repeated the last words prophetically. The words, Sit thou at my right hand, have a peculiar signification. When the eternal generation of the Son from the Father was shown me in vision, I saw the Son issuing from the right side of the Father as a luminous form surrounded by a triangle, as the eye of God is depicted, and in the upper corner I saw the Holy, Holy Ghost but it, it is inexpressible. I saw that Eve came from the right side of Adam. C7. That the patriarchs carried the blessing in the right side, and that they placed the children to whom they delivered it upon their right. Jesus received the stroke of the lance in his right side. The church came forth from the same right side. When we enter the church, we go into the right side of Jesus, 
and we are in him united to his heavenly Father. I think that Melchizedek's mission upon earth was ended with this sacrifice and the ordination of Abraham, for after that I saw him no more. The chalice with the six cups he delivered to Abraham. 14. Abraham receives the sacrament of the Old Covenant. Abraham sat in front of his tent under a large tree by the roadside. He was in prayer. He often sat thus, waiting to show hospitality to travelers. As he prayed, he raised his eyes to heaven and saw, as in a sunbeam, an apparition from God that announced to him the coming of the three. three. He arose and sacrificed a lamb on the altar, before which I saw him kneeling in ecstasy, begging for the redemption of mankind. The altar stood to the right of the large tree, and a tent opened at top. Further on was a second tent, in which the vessels and other utensils for sacrifice were kept. It was to this last that Abraham generally retired when superintending the shepherds who dwelt around here. Still further on, and on the opposite side of the road, was the tent of Sarah and her household. Females always lived apart. Abraham's sacrifice was almost accomplished when he beheld the three angels appear on the high road. On they came in their girded garments, one after another, an even distance between them. Abraham hurried out to meet them. Bowing low before God, he saluted them and led them to the tent of the altar. Here they let down their garments and commanded Abraham to kneel. I saw the wonderful things that now happened to Abraham through the ministry of the angels. He was in ecstasy, and all the actions were rapid, as is usual in such states. He heard the first angel announce to Abraham, as he knelt, that God would bring forth from his posterity a sinless and immaculate maiden who, while remaining an inviolate virgin, should be the mother of the Redeemer, and that he was now to receive what Adam had lost through sin. Then the angel offered him a shining morsel and made him drink a luminous fluid out of a little cup. After that he blessed him, drawing his right hand in a straight line down from Abraham's forehead, then from the right and the left shoulder respectively down under the breast, where the three lines of the blessing united. Then with both hands the angel held something like a little luminous cloud toward Abraham's breast. I saw it entering into him, and I felt as if he were receiving the blessed sacrament. The second angel told Abraham that he should, before his death, impart the mystery of this blessing to Sarah's firstborn, in the same way that he had himself received it. He informed him also that his future grandson, Jacob, would be the father of twelve sons, from whom twelve tribes should spring. The angel told him also that this blessing would be withdrawn from Jacob, but that after Jacob had become a nation, it should be again restored and placed in the ark and the covenant as a holy thing belonging to the whole nation. It should be theirs as long as they gave themselves to prayer. The angel explained to Abraham that, on account of the wickedness of men, the mystery would be removed from the ark and confided to the patriarchs, and that at last it will be given over to a man who will be the father of the promised virgin. I heard also in this promise that by six prophetesses, and through star pictures it had been made known to the heathens that the redemption of the world should be accomplished through a virgin. All this was made known to Abraham in vision, and he saw the virgin appear in the heavens, an angel hovering at her right and touching her lips with a branch. For the mantle of the virgin issued the church. The third angel foretold to Abraham the birth of Isaac. I saw Abraham so full of joy over the promised holy virgin and the vision he had had of her, that he gave no thought to Isaac, 
and I think that the same promise made the command he subsequently received to sacrifice Isaac easy to him. After these holy communications, I saw first the entertainment of the angels, and then the laughing of Sarah. I saw Abraham escorting the angels at their departure, and I heard him supplicating for Sodom. When Abraham awoke from ecstasy, he led the angels under the tree and placed stools around it. The angels sat down, and he washed their feet. Then Abraham hurried to Sarah's tent to tell her to prepare a meal for his guests. This she did, and veiling herself, she carried it halfway to them. The meal over, Abraham accompanied the angels a short distance on their journey. It was then that Sarah heard them speak to him of the birth of a son. She had approached them behind the enclosures of the tent. She laughed. I saw numbers of doves tame as hens before the tents. The meal consisted of the same kind of birds, round loaves, and honey. Abraham, at his departure from Chaldea, had already received the mystery of the blessing from an angel, but it was given to him in a veiled manner. It was more like a pledge of fulfillment of the promise that he should be the father of an innumerable people. Now, however, the mystery was resuscitated in him by the angels, and he was enlightened upon it.